Many of you know that we're in a time of renewal. Interesting to define our time as renewal. Some might say, well, we're in lockdown, or we're in an, a, a pandemic, or we're in recession. Actually, however true those things are, there is a deeper truth. We are in renewal. This is a season of renewal. And I believe God is using all of those circumstances and our situation now to drive us closer to him. Not that he's driving us closer to him, I suppose, but he's drawing us closer to him. And he is causing us to put our roots deeper and deeper into him. Even those who've got some vague understanding that, that God exists and maybe there's something in this Christianity business, after all, they are inquiring. As I said earlier, prayer is one of the most Googled topics at this particular time on the web. So I've been doing a series on spiritual renewal. And uh, at this particular point in the series, which, by the way, is based on Romans chapter 12. And by the end of the series, we would have covered the whole of the chapter. And Romans chapter 12, it's talking about renewal. But I have been focusing on walking in the newness of who you are. Now, Christianity is not, as some people think, us trying to be what we're not trying to conform to some standard above ourselves, some standard outside ourselves. No, Christianity, when you discover what it really is, is walking in the newness of who you are. In your new self, the recreated self, when the Apostle Paul, in this passage, as we have seen, says something like this, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word renewing there is a word that belongs to God's new creation. The creation that we see around us is the old creation, still beautiful, but broken. It's a world capable of sustaining and entertaining coronavirus, other kinds of viruses and sicknesses and diseases and tragedies and brokenness and we feel that brokenness even in our own hearts but when Christ comes to us and we put our trust in him there is a change a transformation that takes place on the inside out and we are recreated into the persons that God intended in the first place so your new self is your true self which has been recreated in Christ. So it's not about being conformed, but it's about being transformed on the inside out. And, and there, there, amongst other things, this brings us into a different lifestyle. The Bible talks, describes lifestyle in, 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 in these terms. It's a journey in which we are walking. It's a day-by-day working out, walking out what's going on inside us. 
and the day by day putting into practice Christian principles, walking in partnership with the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us. And, and we've been seeing in, in recent studies how this is, begins with walking in authentic love. Love is the pinnacle of everything, authentic love. But remember, it's love as it relates to truth, love defined by truth. This is one of the things that I wish our current society would understand. Love is high on the agenda. It's all about everybody knows that love is so important, except very few people can actually define it. Because when love is just what you think, what you feel, what your preferences are, what you are attracted to, what you think is good, when it's all about this mass of human opinions, then nobody knows what it is. But when we understand the love of God is a love that is based in the truth of who he is as the ultimate reality, the ground of all truth, when we recognize that love has to do with the relationship with God and who he is in his nature, then the love that we demonstrate is not tossed around by every passing fad and fancy or fashion of what defines love at any particular point in time. But then also we see that this love brings forth passion. Love and passion are very connected. Uh, if, if you have a strong lover or a strong love in your life, you have a passion for something, a passion for someone. And the expulsive power of the new passion that God gives us, which is passion for himself, that, that passion expels all other passions. So it's not about trying to change your desires and trying to change something about you that's unchangeable. No, what it is, it's about letting that new passion that the Holy Spirit puts in your heart, you begin to love what you didn't love before. In fact, you begin to love what you used to hate and you hate what you used to love. And, and this is all defined about in relation to God. This world, if you are friends with this world, this whole world system, you're an enemy with God. That's why the Bible says, do not love the world, but the love of the Father is the love that should define you. So whereas before we used to love the world, now we're learning to hate the world. Whereas before we would hate the Father, and, and that's a strong word, but the truth is many people who... who who turn their back upon God, they do so because there's nothing about him that they want or are attracted to because in doing, in coming to God, they're going to have to give up their own independence and say, God, you are Lord of my life. And they hate that. But now when you have this new passion, you, you begin to experience the love of God in a different way and you realize that loving God, making him Lord of your life is the most glorious, liberating, life-affirming life-changing, fulfilling experience that just gets better and better. But now today I'm going to go a bit further. We'll read the passage in a moment. Because now, in this particular passage, God moves into the area of compassion. That's the topic. Authentic compassion, which is defined by what is good and right and beautiful. Compassion, defined by what is good, right, and beautiful. Because there's a danger here. My subtitle is Walking the Dangerous Path of Empathy. Now, how could it be dangerous to be empathic? 
How could it be dangerous if you try to focus on compassion? Well, if your compassion is not centered on what is good, right, and beautiful, you will find that your empathy will be a means by which other people will overcome you and take you over and bring you to the place of confusion and even to the point where you lose your own identity. So there's some very important messages today, particularly for people who are empathic. Um, and, and if you have an empathic person naturally, you have to be careful that the spiritual empathy that we're talking about is not the same as this natural empathy, and that can lead you into difficulty. And, and if you are a sensitive person, you will find that domineering people, people who are who look for people like you to, to suck them dry uh, of all their energy, and you end up taken over, you end up lost, you hardly know who you are because a dominant personality, a narcissistic personality, as some people describe it, narcissistic personalities have taken you over and you become nothing but a, 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 a codependent person that cannot stand strong in their own identity. So we're going to touch on some of these things today. Now, so I turn you to uh, the book of Romans, chapter 12, and we're coming to the last few verses in this chapter, and after today I've probably just got one more message to bring from this passage, which will take us right to the very end. But let's read verses 14 to 18. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave, leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So we're talking about authentic compassion. But what is compassion? Well, quite simply, it means feeling with. Feeling with. Passion with someone. So if somebody is feeling pain, you feel pain on their behalf. I I'm not saying, oh, uh, if you cut, I bleed. <laughs> no, no. If you cut, you bleed. But I can feel with you in your pain. All right. Uh, now, uh, a, a popular word for this today is empathy. And we're told that empathy is stronger than mere compassion. Uh, compassion is feeling with, but empathy is feeling in. In other words, you so enter somebody else's experience, 
You so enter what they are going through, their emotions, that you feel what they feel. And I, I, I go with this and to a very large extent. I believe biblical compassion, I think Jesus' compassion is as strong as you'll ever need to go. But it does mean, actually, that you are putting yourself in the place of somebody else. This was Jesus' compassion. He put himself in our place. And, and even to the very point of becoming our substitute. So he sat where we sat. He feels what we feel. He's been through what we've been through. And he, he, he took it all the way to the cross. And so carried what was due to us in his own body that we might be saved. So compassion is a very strong word. But this idea of empathy, of, being, of entering right into what somebody is feeling, is good. But it doesn't stop there. You don't just enter into what somebody is feeling, you do what you can to relieve them. Suppose you were uh, riding in your car and uh, you see somebody that you know broken down by the side of the road. You pull up alongside them and say, what's happening? And the person has a flat tire. And there they are stuck, stranded by the side of the road, flat tire. So you pull up in front of them, get out of their car and if you're if it's during lockdown you keep your social distance but from a social distance of two meters you start to empathize and here's how it goes oh i feel with you in your pain it must be so difficult for you to be stuck by the side of this road but i want you to know i'm here for you and the person says Okay, well, give me a hand. Give me something. Help me, help me change this tire. Oh, oh no, no, no. I, I, I'm not here for that. I'm just going to be compassionate. I'm just going to give you empathy. I feel for you. After a while, you say to that person, get out of here. I don't need you to feel with me. I need you to do something for me. And that's what real compassion, in fact, real empathy is all about. It is feeling of course, the pain and the difficulty that somebody else is going through. And that will, that will be a deep emotional experience within you. This is, this is a word that touches your spleen. This is the word that touches the depth of your, your, your visceral area. Let me not define any further what exists here in this abdomen, in this part of your body. But that's where you feel in the depth in the visceral region and it's so deep but it's an emotion so deep that it leads to action Jesus is the most compassionate of all we see two things when we study the Gospels just maybe come to them uh, even as fresh and see two things that strike us about Jesus his love for the Father's will everything he did was for the glory of God and then also his compassion for the multitudes his compassion for people. He was moved with compassion so many times. And I believe that as he was in touch with the Heavenly Father, the Father's heart of love beat with warmth and depth of feeling and compassion. And as that happened, the hands and feet of Jesus moved about on this earth, healing and touching and reaching out other people. This is the Jesus we follow, and that's the compassion that we have in our lives. Now, why is this a, a difficulty? Why is this a danger? Why would I say today that, there, that this can be difficult for you? Well, the point is, is this. If you are naturally empathic, 
If you are a naturally sensitive person and you find it easy to feel what other people are feeling and you find it easy to weep with those that weep and, and rejoice with other people, you, you, you'll pick up the emotions of those around you. Uh, you, you you're, you're actually in a very vulnerable position. Uh, and, and if you're going to walk the path of empathy, you need to know that it, it can be a dangerous path. And that's why we need to understand what God's purpose for compassion is. God's purpose for compassion is not that you become so compassionate that you yourself become overcome with evil, overcome with the negativity around you, overcome with people's ways in which they will take advantage of you or try to because you are a nice person, because you are naturally empathic and because you feel sensitively what they're going through and, and you can put their needs above your own needs very easily. That's not the purpose of empathy. The purpose of empathy is not that you become overcome by evil, but you overcome with good. Now, there are two words here that are used. You, many of you will know that the New Testament is originally written in Greek. And there's two, two words here. Now, I'm going to use them. Now, why would I bring you Greek words today? Well, the first word, it's easy. Uh, it's kakos. Kakos. That means bad, evil, rubbish. And I like it. So it is an onomatopoeic word, kakos. If you say that now, you kind of get a feeling of it. So uh, that's easy. Now, the second word, kalos, it means good. It means beautiful. In fact, there is no equivalent word that we can translate this fully into, into English that I know of. And anyway, when we start talking about that which is good and beautiful and all that, uh, people have their own ideas. And we need to take this word kalos, that which is good and beautiful, and, and begin to understand what it means for us so that we can overcome the evil, kakos, with the good, kalos. And if we walk in that path, we will avoid the pitfalls of empathy because our purpose will not just be to feel what other people are feeling, but the, our purpose will be to do something, uh, if we can, about what they're going through in order to overcome evil. You see, you see empathy and compassion is all about feeling the, the pain that other people are going through because of the injustice that is happening around us. They're, because of the problems and the pain that's in the world, there ought not to be there. And this emotion of compassion is getting ready to, to roll your sleeves up and to get right in there and do what you can do with the help of God to lift somebody's pain, to relieve somebody of their pain, to take them out of a situation of injustice, to see justice happen in their life at every particular level. And there is so much scope today for us to stand for justice. We've got social justice. We've got moral justice. We've got spiritual justice to think about. And, and, and there's so much that is unfair. And I believe that God wants us to be moved with compassion so that we can actually become agents for change, agents for justice, but not according to other people's understandings of kakos, and kalos, what is bad and what is good, but according to God's vision of what is pure and beautiful and glorious, and this is expressed in his kingdom.
the kingdom of God. So, learning how to overcome kakos, the bad stuff, um, that, that which is troublesome and destructive, to overcome that by moving forward to the thing that is good and beautiful. So let's go through these scriptures, uh, these verses briefly uh, before we finish today. All right, verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Bless, don't curse. Hmm. Hmm. This is the ability to forgive an aggressor. Now, as soon as I say that, you will understand why I'm saying that empathy is actually quite a dangerous path to tread. Because we want to definitely obey God and forgive aggressors, but that doesn't mean to say that we allow aggressors to get away with it. And indeed, the way that we overcome aggression is through love. The way we overcome aggression is through empathy, but not the kind of empathy that takes everything on yourself and is too, uh, too frightened or too lacking in strength to rise up and overcome evil with good. So persecution and opposition, friends, will always be there. This world hated Jesus without a cause, for no reason, and it will hate you. Now, you don't have to walk around with a persecution complex. In fact, uh, we have to be very careful before we, as Christians, start screaming persecution, persecution, because we've had it so good we have been the dominant force in society for decades, generations even. And in our society today, when we're moving away from a, a, a Christian society into a more pagan society, or as others would have it, a more uh, uh, secular society. And it's going to, we're going to become increasingly under pressure. And we need not to walk around with a, with a you know, a persecution complex and, and mourning and moping around saying nobody loves us. Don't expect them to love you. They rejected Christ. The, this world has always been opposed to God. It's a fallen, broken world. This whole world lies in the lap of the evil one. And so in this world where evil rules and evil reigns, we are going to have it tough. Okay? So what do I say? When the going gets tough, the tough get going. So we don't walk around licking our wounds and saying, oh, poor me, somebody out there hates me. Let me tell you, there are people out there who will hate you. Whatever you do, they will hate you. And you will not be able to reconcile with, with, with everybody. But as you learn to walk in the path of empathy directed towards overcoming evil with good, overcoming evil with the beautiful stuff, the stuff that's God's kingdom, you will flourish even if you are in a lockdown. You will flourish even if you are under pressure. And here's one of the things. Do not curse. If somebody curses you, return it with a blessing. And do this with compassion. Not so very long ago, many of you have heard this story, uh, I was placed under a certain form of arrest in a certain country uh, where I should not have been placed under arrest, where there was freedom of religion, wouldn't let me in the, in the country, but simply because they wanted to, to prevent um, Christians from freedom, the, freely expressing their love for Christ. Let's, let's leave it at that.
Anyway, it was, wasn't too bad, pretty intimidating when you've got people who are putting you under arrest and who are not being nice to you. Let's leave it at that. Anyway, I was asking God for a word and there was a very wonderful sense of God's presence. In fact, I sensed the presence of an angel of protection. A wonderful, I never saw anything with my physical eyes, wonderful angel of protection. And I had a tremendous peace. And usually when that angel of protection uh, manifests or shows up, in my experience, it's, it, it's, it, it's just before something remarkable happens, a remarkable healing, a miracle, or, or a remarkable prophetic word. And so I was getting so excited for this prophetic word and I was building up, you know, my, the whole night, I'm going to get this prophetic word and anyway it all came and, and finally as I was just being deported uh, unofficially, kicked out of the country, uh, there was, there was this, this police guy who had arms like legs, you know, legs like tree trunks and he was one of the most uh, gruesome looking guys and and, and I looked at him and I thought, oh, Jesus, I, I need a word for this man. And then the word came, just as it was time for him to shove me out of the country, I stretched my hand forward and here is the word, the word that came from heaven. And here it was. Are you ready? God bless you. <laughs> that was the word. And I thought to myself, is that it? A whole night of prayer with an angel of the Lord hovering around. And the best I can say is, God bless you. But the reaction was phenomenal. Do you know that big, strong man almost fell to the ground backwards. He was pushed back. I just shook his hand. But the power of God hit him and I realized what had happened. You see, the Bible says, don't curse when people persecute you, but bless them. And when that happened, he had a reversal of his own values, and he expected that I would curse him and repay his persecution with cursing, but I repaid it with blessing, and this is the kingdom of God. You see, this is strong. This is strong. I remember a story, Marshall Rosenberg tells it in his book when he talks about compassionate communication. It's a, a woman who was being brutally abused as a prisoner of war in the Second World War. And she was a, a brave woman. Some people like that don't think they're brave because they never felt any fear, but this woman was full of compassion and, and there was this young, young man in his early 20s abusing her with loads and loads of different forms of torture and abuse. And the lady said one day she looked at him and saw this young, bitter, 20-something-year-old young guy who should have been full of the joys of life, was now in such a state of bitterness and anger and aggression and was, had been so manipulated by forces of aggression and propaganda and, and deception 
that he actually thought he was doing the right thing by torturing an old woman. And the woman looked at him and she said, I had pity on him. And she thought to herself, I wonder what has happened to you, what you've been through to bring you to this place where you're such a nasty, violent and hateful person. She looked upon him with compassion. Now I want you to see that both those statements, bless you and compassion, are not weak. It's not what happens so that you have so full of empathy that you find it easier to forgive everybody else but yourself. And this is where empathy, if it is not matched with a focus of strength on pushing through the problem to reach the solution and understand that your empathy is there for a purpose, your empathy is there to overcome evil with good, to get rid of kakos with kalos. And what you do is show the beauty of the presence of God and the love of God. It looks weak, it looks fragile, it looks as if it can easily be shattered, and it is easier to destroy the beautiful than to reconstruct beauty out of evil. Yes, it is, but we have been given the hard job. We go where there is evil, where it's ugly, where it's not beautiful, where people's lives are broken, and where they are nasty, and where hurt people spend their lives hurting people. We have compassion with them, but we also, we don't so enter their condition and their experience that we become part of the problem, and we find ourselves trapped and unable to express ourselves. No, we stand up with empathy and with compassion, but we also know how to overcome evil with good. Right. Bless, don't curse. Then it goes on to say, share in other people's pains and joys. Verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Now, empathic people feel so much for others that they can forget to feel for themselves. Have you ever, have you ever been there? And, um, you know, we, we can end up with compassion fatigue. We can. And, and sometimes we can be manipulated by other people. And so this is what narcissists do. There's a, a personality disorder that is, that is recognized today, narcissistic personality disorder. I won't go into that so much today, maybe another time. But, but what narcissists do is they, they, there's, no, no, there's no blame and no shame as far as they're concerned. They are superior to everybody else. Actually, they are totally broken inside and are totally overcome on the inside by a total inferiority complex. They have no self-image to speak of and they compensate for that by dominating other people and trying to pro project themselves as being perfect and superior. And they will make a beeline for you and, and if you're an empath, they will make a beeline for you and they will start to take you over and control you and manipulate you so that you will only be able to feel what they feel, think what they think, do what they do, believe what they believe and anything outside of that they will not tolerate and they will destroy you if they possibly can. If they can't dominate you and take you over, they will destroy you. This is a lot behind the stuff that happens to you when people speak evil against you to try and overcome you. They have not been able to dominate you, therefore they will destroy you. What do you do with that? What you do is you are careful on this path of empathy to let that empathy continue, but not to the point where you back down from evil and let evil overcome you and dominate. No, you don't 
you are not dominated by evil, you will rise up and in the goodness of God, you will overcome evil with good. How? The next verse says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Mm. Empathic people are often so, so uh, um, um, sympathetic of others uh, and they're pre prepared to put themselves out for others to the point where actually they, they, they have lost themselves. And so he says, live in harmony with people. Now, harmony is not unison. Do you get what I mean? Like, to be in harmony with somebody doesn't mean to say that you have to believe the same as that they believe or have to be identical to them. No, that's unison. If people sing in unison, they're singing exactly the same note. But when they sing in harmony, there's a difference. And the two together blend beautifully together. And so you can agree to disagree. It, you don't have to take somebody over. Watch it. If somebody's trying to take you over that you can't think for yourself, you only have to, have to believe what they believe and they'll criticize you and work on you until you actually come down to believe exactly what they believe. And be careful when we are preaching Christ. It's up to people in their own free will to come and say, we are, we, I, I will follow your Jesus. You cannot dominate people. And, and, and don't be haughty. I, you know, I've got a better opinion than you. And associate with the lowly. Don't, don't try to say, well, okay, I, I'm a person of importance and you're not important enough for me. This is actually not how you overcome evil with good. Many, many people only associate with those that they think can do something for them. But when you go to the lowly and have compassion on those who don't have much influence, who don't have much money, who don't have a voice, and you become a voice for the voiceless, you take action on their behalf and you stand up with, for them, then you are overcoming evil with good. And then the final verse for today, verse 17, do not repay Repay no one evil for evil, that's the word kakos, but give thought to do what is honourable, that's kalos, in the sight of all. And he says, whatever, if, whatever you can do, do, do it if it's possible to live peaceably with all, uh, with everyone. Now, this, this is the real key. Give thought to what is honourable in the sight of all. See, this word kalos is translated honourable. It's translated honest. Do what is right, what is honest in the sight of all men. It's a very difficult word to translate. That's why you must use lots of different words. But, but here it is. This is God's kingdom vision of what is beautiful, what is right, what is fitting, what is appropriate. Not just from your opinion. What, what is appropriate in God's big scheme of things. And your compassion is not for you to be a doormat for everybody else and let everybody else walk all over you. No, stand up for who you are in Christ and stand up for who Jesus has made you. But your compassion is that you push through the barriers of sin and evil and injustice and out of that you seek to do what is honourable and right. And in that way, as far as it depends upon you, you live at peace with all people. Empaths, 
tend to absorb violence. They tend to absorb negativity, criticism and hate. And there may be some people, you know exactly what I'm talking about. During this period of lockdown, you have been the subject of, you, you, you've experienced domestic violence. You've experienced violent language, verbal abuse, physical abuse. And you don't have to put up with it. You don't say, well, this matches my image of myself. I shouldn't have said it. I provoked. I did the wrong thing. Somebody has made you believe that. And it's not true. Empathy doesn't mean that you absorb violence and negativity and criticism and hate. No, no, no. Empathy means you rise up to oppose these things because your compassion is on the side of the right and the good and the beautiful and the pure. Pure. Don't feel guilty when you stand up for yourself. I'm not saying you should fight fire with fire, violence with violence, or hit back, strike back when you... That, that's another error. That's what a lot of people do. Somebody said, I don't get mad, I get even. You hit me, I hit you back. That is not Christ's way, but neither is the other way to simply absorb all the violence and all the hate to the point that you never confront what is wrong. There is a, another way of overcoming evil. Not evil with evil, but evil with the good thing. Confronting evil in the right way, for the right reasons. The good, the beautiful, the fitting, the honest, the truthful, the just way. Dealing with all those things which are of a bad nature, which are troublesome and destructive. I'm encouraging you today to learn how authentic compassion does not mean you become a doormat to other people's demands. Learn how to discern when other people are manipulating you, your better nature. Learn how you can confront evil in others while remaining authentically compassionate both to yourself and those around you. Very recently I was in a situation where it was quite clear to me that I was being totally dishonoured, <laughs> totally disrespected by people whose opinions mattered to me. They'd totally taken a wrong interpretation of events and circumstances and I want to say they were having a good go but you know I thank God that I have strength and trust in Jesus that my view of myself isn't dependent on what other people think of me, that the person whose opinion of me values most is, is Jesus, his opinion. But I, I did stand up for myself in this way. I said, now listen, I want you to know something. And what I'm saying to you is not because I want or need your respect, but I'm saying something to you out of respect for myself, for who I am and what God has given to me. And I, you can disrespect me if you like, but I will not disrespect myself. I'm a child of God. I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many faults, many failings. Yeah, yeah, tell me about it. But I know this, Jesus has put his hand 
on my life and he's not going to let me go. And he's not going to let you go either. Walk the dangerous path of empathy, but stay on the right side of it and know that God will use your empathy by his power to break down evil and establish the good in your life and in those around you.